Welcome to Buffy Boyfriends. We're boyfriends watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Truer today than ever before. Uh, I'm the Slayer Superfan Sam. And I'm the first time watcher Mike. Oh man. This was the I, this was I, every time we watch an episode and you say, "Hey, that was actually pretty good." It makes it just makes me feel so good. Yeah, and we, you know, we're dealing with two pretty good episodes today. I would say <laughs> pretty good. Yeah, they were pretty good. I had uh, famously a bad day, and <laughs> um, now I'm in great spirits, and that's because I watched 90 minutes of Buffy. Wow. Okay, then uh, you know I'll take that. But yeah. before we, before we talk too much about Buffy, Mike, and even we didn't even really talk much about our lives in the up previous episodes. We have a lot of things that we could possibly talk about. Wow. How much are we? How much do we need to update the, the oh, listenership at, on? At least three weeks of our lives. But I, I mean, I, but we, as I've been saying, I really feel like I haven't been doing a whole lot lately. So there might not even be that much to say. Wow. I feel completely differently i feel like we've both been very busy and i would say the biggest news for everyone out there you're getting sort of a hot tip here big announcement from the buffy boyfriends we found an apartment and so we're moving um yes well congratulate us in the comments rate and review um but yeah we're moving in a few weeks and that's very exciting moving in together think about how easy it'll be to podcast now that we own our own one-bedroom studio. We own it. We live in it. True. So in that way, we sort of own it. We own it for the time we're there. We, yeah, we we will have ownership of the space. Yes. Except, <laughs> Spiritually. Except we do need to follow the rules of our landlord <laughs> in the writer. So he has some rules for what we can do with the space. Mm-hmm. So he's still kind of like the the big boss and we're kind of like the middle management of the apartment i didn't read anything pro or con about podcasting out of the space so i think i better to be better to be sorry than safe in this instance if anything his riders will make it easier for us to podcast in the space because of how many rugs we need to put in there i know down on the echoing noise think about what a podcast recorded under or above 80 percent of (laughs) floor covered in rug will be like yes oh and also we'll be we'll be able to become those podcasters who are like oh my cat's on the microphone no sorry i hope our cats will do something stupid and be like oh they just knocked over the water (laughs) (laughs) yes um but I mean, you might, you might, you say we're busy, but I genuinely feel like, I and then I think back and I'm like, I never have any free time, but I also cannot think of a single thing that I do. You know? Do you know that feeling? Well, how many times a week do you do improv? One and a half. Okay. And how many weeks has it been since we recorded? That's like five improvs to talk about. You're right. There's a lot going on. I'm just. I I think I'm just like you. I mean, I also didn't have an excellent day today so uh you know i think i've just really down down on myself right now like community feeling wise you know what i mean yeah well speaking of community we've got community with us this is this is the perfect uh balm to my day honestly um we have for the first time on buffy boyfriends more boyfriends (laughs) um (laughs) 
I don't even know how to, uh, you know, one of them, an English master's degree, one of them works in graphic novels and makes his own, uh, well, works in children's books and makes his own graphic novels. Uh, perhaps he'll correct me once I finish introducing. Um, you know, we'll get their full Buffy journeys once they get on the microphone, but they're your new friends, our old friends, Mitchell Wilson and Liam, Don- Liam Donnelly. Hi. Really get in there. Really eat, eat up that microphone. Yeah, okay. Hi. <laughs> Hi. I also famously had a bad day. Oh my um, gosh, whoa. yes! <laughs> uh, but now that we're on this Buffy Boyfriends double date, I think that it is similarly going to be the bomb to soothe the wound of my horrible day. Mm-hmm. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> you can really, you can just, you know, not to direct live on the pod Please but you, you can feel free to talk louder uh and don't move the microphone around <laughs> Got it. Sorry. yeah Mitchell. but if you want to let you could scoot your chair around <laughs> so you're like sense. a little more in front of it okay great really lo- I, I hope everybody loves the logistics of seating placement it's totally fine i famously only ever podcasted with my laptop mm. microphone so this is a little bit of a novelty for me sure famously using that phrase Mm -hmm. this whole this whole podcast so get get used to it listeners i didn't realize we need it when we would record some of the early episodes together and i would be at my house recording i didn't realize i needed headphones in to Mm. record um so it was a major struggle of our uh early or i mean the early relationship we had with this podcast yeah so what i'm saying is this is a safe space to be a novice podcaster we're all novices uh liam did you also have a bad day today my day was very neutral today um so sorry to you all who had bad (laughs) days um i'm also happy to be here Um, (laughs) i I don't know i'm getting like really i mean really awkward i'm like oh my god people are gonna listen to this um but yeah um sam you did mostly introduce me um correctly so props to you um i am a cranky queer cartoonist um who works in children's books by day um which mostly means i hire other illustrators to do things and yell at them um but you recently left instagram and so right i'm back on oh you are back on yeah yeah, yeah. okay i was like well where is he putting his queer comics Uh, that he's not on instagram then to in my laptop um that's where they were going um (laughs) because um yeah, I, t- I took a long um, Instagram hiatus because usually um, once a year around Thanksgiving or Christmas, I'm like, I need to take a break from social media and I like deactivate for a month. And then this year that just stuck for five months instead. Um, and then I started doing conventions again and I was like, fuck, I guess I have to have a social media <laughs> presence so people know I'm going to be at these things. Um and I, yeah, I, I'm back on social media and not really posting. And um, I'm like being really insane. I'm only using Instagram on my desktop browser. <laughs> and um, I, um, I, I used Adblock Plus to like block the home page. So I don't see any posts wow. that anyone else posts. Um, it's literally like, I can just, I can just look at my own profile. 
Um, it's really soothing. It's the ideal way to do that's, social media. <laughs> that is, that's a life hack. I love to remember that one. I've gone through phases like that too, where I like don't have Twitter on my phone, and then it's only on my desktop, or blah blah blah, all those kinds of things. And then none of it actually works for me anyway. I'm ready for like a fight club of social media where they kind of just like blow up uh metaphorically social media so we can start clean with no social media again i'm ready to blow it up not physically okay literally (laughs) no i mean literally i mean because part of the reason my break from social media lasted for as long as it did and i only got it back begrudgingly um was because i had this moment where i was like i've had facebook since i was literally 14 years old and i'm 29 now so that's literally like more than half my life and i was like okay like i even and even before then i had like I was, like, in middle school, and I had a DeviantArt account, and I was, like, posting my, like, Tekken Tag Tournament fan art (laughs) on DeviantArt for the world to see, and I was just, like, you know, like, what is my relationship to art when there are not people on the other end to give me likes? Um, Creativity for creativity's sake. I would just like to note for Sam and Mike, and for those who are listening at home, that Liam was also a frequent user of a collaborative Kingdom Hearts fanfic forum. I love that. He neglected to mention that. <laughs> sort of like a role play community. Oh yeah, no, we would. Um, I I was twelve, and um, it was like a Kingdom Hearts like thread or something on a larger message board. And um, me and these boys that I did not know in real life would like, we would we would each take turns writing a chapter. Like yeah. I would go, and then we would, and and it wasn't like we like used like the lore of Kingdom Hearts as if Kingdom Hearts has its own lore. Um, it has. I mean, it's it, it it truly <laughs> mind-boggling amount of lore. <laughs> Sorry, that, yeah, that's a misspeaking. I guess I guess I was more thinking like because like all of its like magic is stolen from Final Fantasy, and like all of the characters are kind of stolen from all the the non like original characters like from Disney. And anyway, um, and we we just had like our own original characters like, and they had like keyblades and like did Final Fantasy to see magic and stuff i behave very similarly with fire emblem online on the mm. forum so i i'm very much connecting with liam but uh, <laughs> does, does, did either of you two do any uh online role-playing or fan fan, fan fiction writing no <laughs> no i did when i was like 14 play an org an online role-playing game of survivor once whoa and i won and then i decided i never want to do this again you've never tired you've (laughs) never said this once in our three and uh several month year relationship well i have to save some of these tidbits for you know a lifetime i can't just give them out all at once you need to save little interesting facts about yourself like you don't even know what I've got saved up for our forties. I'm I'm harrowed by the thought. Uh, oh, did you want to say no, I, I famously told Mitchell everything about myself, and now we just sit in silence. <laughs> That's what I'm worried about. Well, we actually we were just talking about sitting in silence earlier while we were watching the Buffy episode because they talked about that. We they you were like just like us. Yeah, they said <laughs> the Buffy characters did not seem comfortable sitting in silence, so I don't think they. They're not as far along in their relationship as we are. Yeah. Last night we parallel played for about uh, an hour and a half while you wrote and I played video games. True. 
No words were spoken. Yes, at all. Uh, but, you know, we're not here to talk for 12 minutes about anything other than Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um, but we did. Just kidding. Anyway, we are here to talk about Season 2, Episode 15, and Season 2, Episode 16. That's Phases, and then Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. But before we even get those, Mitchell, Liam, why are you here? What did you... What? How did How did Buffy enter your lives... So my engagement with Buffy is really strange. I feel like I came to it entirely too young. I'm talking like probably like eight or nine years old. So I think I became aware of Buffy as a cultural thing via, or at least shortly thereafter, watching the first live action Scooby-Doo movie and like becoming aware of who Sarah Mm. Michelle Gellar is as a human being. Um, Wait. Who did she play in the Scooby Doo movie? What? I've never seen Daphne. I've never seen the Scooby Doo movie. <laughs> she played Daphne. Okay. Um, and she does. She does like a lot of her own. Sorry, in Daphne and Scooby Doo, she does. You've never seen the Scooby Doo movie? No. She does some like cool fight sequences that feel very akin to Buffy. I like. I sort of feel like her directive was to play Daphne as Buffy. Yeah. In some ways. Um, but have you seen Scooby Doo Two Monsters Unleashed? Yeah, that one. Okay, leave me alone. But those, I mean, that's just I was like, playing an org when those came out. Mm, sure. I, I guess this, you know when, when there's two years between your in your relationship, you're sort of like, oh, we're the same age. Everything is the exact same cultural touchstones. But this is like, sorry, I'm sorry, I interrupted you. But it was just so surprising to me. Continue. So from there, I think that I caught like a smattering of episodes in the middle seasons, like three, four, five, and reruns on FX before I went to elementary school in the morning for a period of time. <laughs> what my parents were doing while I was watching this is beyond me. You're far from the first um, person to mention having watched episodes before they went to school in the morning. And yeah, it was just always in reruns on FX. And I ended up somehow watching in their entirety season one and season seven. Um, I think I've probably only seen season one and seven in like total, like viewed every single episode of each of those seasons at least once. Um, and I would say that I have probably seen the majority of two and three and then, you know, sprinkling here and there of four five and six. Wow. So that's my Buffy history. It's sparse, but deeply entrenched i mean yeah but you've got a lot of good stuff left to watch i'd say (laughs) so true um so my first exposure to buffy was um so i have two older sisters uh they are four years older than me and they are twins um was when they were watching buffy for the first time their senior year senior or junior year of college so i was either a junior or senior in high school and I was like, I'll never watch that crap. Um, like, you can tell me everything. Um, so they would just, like, explain, like, how, like, Angel had a soul and everything. Um, and then um, as I was getting ready to go to college to uh, where I, I attended Wesleyan, which is famously Joss Whedon's wow. alma mater. And also, I think Marty Knoxon's alma mater as well. Mm. Um, but um, and my sisters were like, Liam, you have to watch Buffy before you go to Joss Whedon's home. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I mean, I don't think that's not how they that's not how they framed it. I'm like obviously being silly, um, but um, 
And oh, also, like, side note, at Wesleyan, when I went on the tour, there was this line that, like, every tour guide gave that, like, and this is the graveyard on campus that Joss Whedon looked onto and thought of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, wow. which was not, obviously <laughs> not true. Um, but, um, anyway, but it did convince you. It did go. convince me to go. Um <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, um, the, so the summer between my, um, senior year of high school and my freshman year of college, I watched all of Buffy with my sisters, um, and I also, or there were, there were certain seasons that, like, we would watch, like, every single episode together, so that was season one and season two, and my sister actually got mad at me with season two because I didn't realize we were doing that, so I actually watched ahead of them one night, um, until five in the morning, and it was a big issue. <laughs> um, it was Michelle. Of course it was Michelle. <laughs> yeah, of course it was Michelle. Uh, <laughs> Sounds like but, it was Michelle. Uh, also, my sisters might listen to this podcast. <laughs> So, um, um, we'd love we love to have you. We love you, Michelle. Uh, <laughs> um, but, um, sorry, I'm going on about this for a really long time. Um, and, um, when I got, I also got my wisdom teeth out that summer and the day I got my wisdom teeth out, I watched all of season three in one sitting. <laughs> yeah. Is there enough hours in the day for that? Yeah, absolutely. Because <laughs> it's, it's 45 minutes episodes, yes. babe. I, when I had the flu in college, I watched all of Gilmore Girls season five in a 24 hour period. So it can be done because those are the same amount of episodes and the same amount of time. And the same channel. Wow. Same quality. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> season, Buffy season three and Gilmore Girls season five. Probably Buffy season three beats it. I don't really remember what happens with Gilmore Girls season five as well. Is that when she goes to college? And I think that's season no, no. four. That's, that's three or four because I feel like she's a sophomore when she starts. I don't, mm. you know. If we had podcasted about Gilmore Girls when we watched it. There is a different podcast that does, it's like Gilmore Guys. Well, there's Gilmore uh, Guys, but there's also a podcast where it's like a husband and a wife, I think. And one of them loves Buffy the Vampire Slayer and one of them loves Gilmore Girls and neither of them have ever seen them, but they have a very similar amount of episodes and seasons. And so they're watch- they do one, 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 one. That's a long podcast cycle. I, I agree. Ours is already long and we're literally doing half of it. True. Um, but we're here today talking about phases and Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered because when we asked Liam and Mitchell what episode they wanted to do, Liam pretty immediately was like, I want to do Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered. Why did you select this episode? Um, it was a standout to me from season two. I remember my sisters also introducing it to me as like, this is the funniest episode of the series or something <laughs> along those lines. Um, and like, they were very excited to show it to me. And also it was like, I mean, I think, I think we were, we were watching Drag Race that night and, and you were like, what episode did you, what did you guys want to do? And it was the only one I knew the the name of. Um, <laughs> and like, also I, I, I watched all of Buffy so close together that like, I couldn't like, necess- like, even though like it is very like monster of the week, I couldn't necessarily remember a specific episode and um, and also since Mike hadn't watched it yet and we didn't watch, like, I couldn't be like, it's the one where the, one where the thing, love spell, yeah. yeah, yeah, the one where the thing happens. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yeah. the thing. Well, ever since you, we we had to, I, and I knew this was going to happen, but ever since we said the title, 
Mike's been excited about this episode because Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered sounds a lot like Gooped, Gagged, and Betribbled, which is something Jasmine Kennedy said on Drag Race uh, that we say all the time. That has just been like lodged in my head for a year and a half, and I'm ready for All Stars 9. Did Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered live up to your Gooped, Gagged, and Betribbled expectations yeah i was gooped gabbed and betribbled and bewitched bothered and bewildered the whole episode <laughs> wow um okay so but we're not gonna well, talk we're, about yeah, that first we have to start out we have to unfortunately chronologically i did have to force you guys to watch a second another episode because you know as i said before we started recording we're still experimenting with the format of the show we're doing two episodes right now regardless uh phases pretty good episode i would say um Introduction of werewolves in Buffy. Um, Oz-centric story. Yes. Love that. Um, what else happened? Gay. Oh, yeah. Gay bully. <laughs> Didn't love that. Yeah. I have lots to say mm-hmm. about that whole exchange. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe cross that bridge when we come to it. Sure. But we start the episode with Xander and Cordy. They're, like, making out in the car. And she's like, Xander, we're in my daddy's car. He just got it detailed. <laughs> yeah, is there something you want to do other than talk? I feel like there. I feel like we're being told a lot of the time that Xander's talking so much about Buffy and Willow, and Cordelia's mad about it, but we don't really see that happen. Yeah, I, but we saw it that episode, didn't we? Did it happen, or was it just Cordelia complaining about it? It was. Pro- it probably did happen, and I'm just complaining to complain. Yeah, but. Yeah, I feel like their relationship uh, doesn't work for me, and she should take this as a sign that Xander is not ready for a serious commitment. Damn. Well, this episode mm. has a lot of uh, analysis of Xander and Cordelia. Both of the episodes have Xander and Cordelia really as a a big big factor of it. Mm-hmm. Do you guys? How do you guys feel about the relationship? It's been pretty contentious on the on the. We do, we do, we both hated it, and now that they're together, I enjoy it, but Mike still hates it. <laughs> I I mean I I mean I love Cordelia. I even tried to watch Angel for Cordelia and couldn't do it. Um, but um, oh, sorry, that was kind of a spoiler. I guess I feel like I knew that. Yeah. Okay. I I wasn't I wasn't thinking. I'll try to be more conscious of it moving forward. Um, I, I remember, like, I remembered really enjoying their relationship when I watched it when I was, like, 17 to 18 years old. As an adult, I'm just like, oh, this is toxic, but it's still fun. Um, <laughs> and I sort of enjoy their chemistry and their banter. Um, but also, I'm just like, Cordy, you're too good for him. Yeah, I think that, like, as a vehicle for... Cordelia witticisms. I like the relationship as a function in the show. Sure. Um, But like, if we're thinking about this as a relationship and whether or not it is good in in like the moral sense or in like the ethical sense or healthy in any way, I mean, the answer to that question is no, I think. Sure. But I know what you're saying where I, because in season one, Cordelia is kind of just a bully to all three of them, but now that they're together and Cordelia is more like a part of the friend group, it is all focused just on Xander, which I think is great. Because it wasn't as fun when she was like, Willow, you're a fucking dork, and Buffy, fuck you. <laughs> but when she's like, Xander, you're an idiot, and I hate your entire existence, that's fun. Yeah, and I will say I enjoy the three of them sort of getting in on the Xander 
making fun of Xander or like Cordelia complaining about Xander to them. Like there, I think there's a scene with her and Willow going back and forth at the bronze about like, these are my issues with the relationship mm-hmm. and Xander won't stop talking about you, about Willow. And then you see the pan to her talking to Willow. Mm-hmm. I thought that was funny. I, I I've said a visual I've, humor. They did a good, really good job slowly introducing Cordelia to the friend group. And now she's just their friend. And I, I feel like it was really well done. I agree. I love it. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, uh, oh well, I like I just love this kind of thing—the Beatrice and Benedict sort of thing, where they like. Oh my god, I was gonna compare them to Beatrice and Benedict wow. too. Excellent. Uh, you you hate Shakespeare famously, so you don't get it. Um, but I also don't get it. Oh. What should do about nothing? Oh, is that their names? I don't. Yes. I, okay. Anyway, they hate each other, but they <laughs> fall in love by the end of it, and that's just the kind of dynamic I was raised on. Um, in children's book publishing, we call that enemies to lovers. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> I don't think that's, that's an not industry just children's book. <laughs> no, they they literally they literally like at every like opportunity, they're like, "This is a YA fantasy romance. It's enemies to lovers. Yeah. It's gonna sell gangbusters, um, and it will." Shakespeare- <laughs> well, you can't market Shakespeare to kids. They're like, you can't just say. Hey, kids this fantasy is a like Beatrice and Benedict. No, of course a Beatrice not and Benedict. accordion Xander but I do feel like talking about trope names is massive right now in like culture and like publishing generally. how do you mean I feel like every book is marketed as like friends to lovers enemies to lovers or like had found family found family or like even even down to like romance trope like names like uh single bed hotel room like i've I've seen a book with that on the cover on it is that that's a big fan fiction thing where like they go somewhere and there's only one bed and they have to sleep in the same bed is it like when you're opening your kindle and there's one of those ads for one of the amazon books (laughs) (laughs) hey baby um yes probably yeah but i feel no i feel like i saw like a video of like an author holding up their book and being like this has uh you know bo- switched bodies trope like that kind of thing mm. they don't just say freaky friday this is a freaky friday trope i mean i guess that would be a more clean way to say it uh, that would get me excited so you've seen freaky friday but you haven't seen scooby-doo mm-hmm. okay that's what um, i'm saying what do you guys think about werewolves generally and then we'll get more into the specifics of the werewolves here I wouldn't say that I have particularly strong feelings about werewolves culturally. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think my major touchstone for them, like many people's, is probably the Twilight series. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's that's like the main thing. I don't feel impassioned by their existence or particularly uh, an affinity toward werewolf-related media. Yeah, I'm thoroughly neutral towards werewolves. Um, I didn't even like, I, I you know, um, I, I guess Buffy is really my main touchstone because I never actually consumed any of Twilight except, well, except the first one. Um, but yeah, Mike. Yeah, they're fine. I feel like my the I know of werewolves only through like other vampire TV shows, like big werewolf subplot for Vampire Diaries mm. for True Blood. And they always suck, and it always feels like a waste of time, to be honest. Um, and I'm, I don't know that I'm there yet on Buffy. I mean, this is just the first episode we've had. 
introducing the lore for real. Um, eh, it's whatever. I'm also very neutral on werewolves. Do not really particularly care about them. But I feel like the further we get, I like characters who have like wolves as part of their thing, I guess. We gotta get further away from like once a month they turn into a werewolf. There's actually, if anybody's ever seen the show Being Human, that show was really good. It was like about a ghost, a werewolf, and a vampire uh, who are roommates. Uh, that show rolled. And there, those. But then the werewolves are like the. I just don't. I don't care about the man beast like duality kind of thing. Um, and then here, it's. I guess it's kind of interesting that it's like three days out of the month instead of one. But even then, I'm like. And they have to put on a whole costume. Mm. For every three days of the month, they have to go rent a werewolf costume and put it on. <laughs> the werewolf does look rather costuming. I, I, I they, they change, they, yeah, they change up um, his costuming a few times, and I think this is actually the best one from what I remember. <laughs> it's all downhill from here. Well, they really leaned into the camp part of it. Yeah, like, they said we're gonna do this shot in full daylight, and we're I not gonna hide anything. <laughs> I really didn't mind it. I, I felt no, I, I thought it was funny. I, yeah, I, I think it's good. Um, I, you know, I it, it it's good that it's bad. Yeah, and I will say I appreciate that because Oz learns that he's a werewolf mm-hmm. in this episode, or he's like bitten, and that turns him. He seems like very nonchalant and kind of cool about it, which I think is a different story than what i've ever seen i feel like everybody is always so tormented by their oh i have to turn into a werewolf tonight uh lock me up Mm -hmm. like chain me to the in the gate um and that never works and oz seems kind of chill with it i'm so fascinated by the way that the show narrates how he became a werewolf Mm -hmm. specifically because like the focus doesn't seem to be on the origin at all isn't it it's just conveyed through a phone call with like his Aunt, yes. cousin, he, someone. Earlier on in the episode, a couple the guys in the gym class are talking about who, like the animal attacks that they think is happening. And then Oz makes like a passing joke about how he got bit by his cousin at like a family party or something. Something we did not see. And then like we then like you're saying he goes home after waking up in the middle of the woods, and calls his aunt a character again we do not see uh, and he's like is he is my nephew who's seven a werewolf and she, apparently she says yes and then he says how long has that been going on and then he says oh <laughs> <laughs> right. it, 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 like it, it oz is not shalant about it everything happens off screen the focus is not on oz and this is not even like a long ongoing plot and like the next episode doesn't even mention that he's a werewolf so like it's like it's so it's not a problem again until like whatever it is like 28 days from now that's true um yeah i like it seems like they don't even really care that much about werewolves they just like were like well we have vampires we might as well do you think it was a studio note they're like you should think about introducing werewolves (laughs) and joss took the note but that's all he did it makes more sense than uh internet demons i don't know (laughs) i wish they brought back the internet demons that is famously one of my favorite episodes Mm -hmm. um I feel like, I mean, I feel like it was less a studio note about that or like the, or more about them feeling like, okay, we have too many normal humans, like in the friend group, like let's make someone something. 
Just last episode of Buffy Boyfriends, Mike was saying that he was ready for another interspecies relationship. <laughs> and now we've got it. Yeah. This whole like reflection on the composition of the Buffy friend group makes me realize that I feel like we're really missing a pet somewhere in the mix. Mm. Like there's I don't know, like why doesn't someone have like a dog? Uh, cat and i guess willow now does sort yeah, of have a dog they've got a werewolf <laughs> true they found a cat in the basement in the second episode too mm-hmm. they could adopt that why was there a cat in the basement of the school you may ask because buffy was... was a rat and she needed to be scared and amy brings her cat to school every day <laughs> just like we will with work exactly <laughs> well you'll be pissed about that because i'm gonna take the cats from home you're gonna you take will be both yeah you can't just leave one with me no that's so, well. I need a cat at the workplace too. Sam, have you ever traveled with a cat before? No, I actually haven't uh, possessed a cat since I was a five-year-old. So I actually have no life skills related to cat ownership. Okay, well, um, I just say good luck um, commuting with a cat. <laughs> Two cats. Our cat, Two hyper- cats. our cat hyperventilates every time we put her in our carrier. So. And, and they'll get used to it. And screams. Um, and the last time she got out of her carrier and crawled onto my chest and screamed in my face for the rest of the car. (laughs) And we love her and she's perfect. I'm excited to experience this new phase of my existence. Me too. Uh, So what did we think about the, the werewolf hunter guy? I didn't, I, you know, like most things about the werewolf plot didn't really register with me. No, (laughs) I mostly thought he looked really familiar, and then I looked up his acting credits, and it turns out he plays Kim Kelly's stepdad on Freaks and Geeks in one episode, uh, <laughs> and, and which I have recently rewatched, and that's what I recognized him from. The Werewolf Hunter is so interesting to me because there's a, there's a similar nonchalance with which Buffy and Giles respond to the existence of this Werewolf Hunter that they respond to Oz being a werewolf with, like. I don't like everyone's reactions in this episode seem like act out of scale with the gravity of the situation <laughs> to me. Um, I mean, I thought it was kind of silly that he had this kind of like almost like crocodile Dundee vibe with all the, the teeth. The tooth necklace was silly. It was a good touch. Um, he was also really convinced that Buffy and Giles were sleeping together. True. He doesn't judge. Deeply uncomfortable. Yeah. I mean, Giles could get it, you know? <laughs> Giles could get it, and Buffy is sleep- used to be sleeping with someone who's much older than him. True. Who knows? Yeah. He just, yeah, I feel like we'll never see this character again. I That's my that's my prediction. I'm putting it out there. Do you think we'll have reference to Oz being a werewolf ever again? Once every four episodes. Okay, we're, we're clocking, we're tracking. But yeah, I mean, he didn't really, it was yeah. just kind of like, I don't know, I, I just feel like the writers did not care about this plot line at all. And I really think they were like, they have their like master calendar up of like, the plots they're going to try to do throughout the season. Master calendar? Is that what Giles calls Jenny when they're sleeping together? Exactly. <laughs> um, and that's why they're not sleeping together anymore. <laughs> She wanted to take it to uh, BDSM, and Giles just wasn't ready for all of that. Do you think Giles would be into that? No. No. <laughs> oh my god, Giles would so be into that. Actually, based on his punk rock past, maybe. Maybe. But maybe he's learned 
he's not into that anymore. I feel like well, if you're Jenny's gonna... a teacher and she can teach him the way. I feel like if you're going to be a watcher, you have to be a masochist. That seems like an enormously thankless job <laughs> to me. Yeah, I've just always, sorry to go on a tangent, but I've always been so confused because, like, he's from the Watchers Council, which suggests there are other Watchers, but there's only one Slayer at a time. Mm-hmm. So why are there so many of them? I think it's because when we've met Kendra, right? We oh, have. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. like, I, th- I think the Watchers are supposed to identify women who could become Slayers eventually young enough that they like take them away like they're young jedi to train them yes. so they have no human attachments but buffy slipped through the cracks and they came to her too late and they couldn't like take a 15 year old who's freshly discovered that she's a superhero out of her mother's care not descriptively that is correct um however they are bad at communicating because uh, when Kendra shows up, Giles does not realize there is another Slayer, like, who's even being sent to him. Um, and you would just think that they would communicate a bit. Perhaps. Well, they didn't have Facebook back then. Um, true. Phones, though. But I also think that, the I mean, supposedly the Watcher's Council would, like, have historical demon texts or whatever you know only when the plot calls right. for it it's just it's a resource for when they want it to be a resource something that i noticed i i think it was in this episode they're looking up information about werewolves and some of giles's you know really historical texts or compendiums on monsters are just casually shelved in the stacks mm-hmm. of the sunnydale high school library i don't know if this is a thing in previous episodes but these are not like in his back office or like in a reserve shelf out of the public eye there are just all of these what i imagine are like incredibly valuable hundreds and some odd year old books that any teenager with like cheetah dust on their fingers could just pick up and look at indeed and that actually has been that actually has happened previously in the show there was a time when they were looking for a witch and so they were looking up students who had recently taken out books on witchcraft and it turned out that xander had taken out some of the witchcraft books because there were naked engraving pictures in the books Um, and that's our leading man everybody uh i mean it seems like he just has so many books that he needs to keep them in the library and also students never go to the library so not a whole lot of danger with the cheeto dust true i feel like this episode was also i mean for all TV shows made in the 90s were very sexist, but I feel like they really leaned into it this episode. Mm-hmm. Lots of sexism from the vampire, or not the vampire. Well, yeah, Angel was sexist. He killed that woman. Yeah. And he the, killed Teresa. And the, the Teresa herself was not, you know, an amazing character, I would say. There was not a lot given to her. A tragic How, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> Teresa is I'm, my favorite. <laughs> I'm standing, but I, you know, it's hard. Like, Teresa is sexually harassed by Larry in the mm. first, what, like two or three minutes of the episode. Yeah. Then she is sort of again uh, in the self-defense class in the gym, subject to this, like, weird misogyny. And then she's literally murdered later on. So, I mean, I think that's... Twice, because then she's, she's also dusted murdered. as a vampire. I don't think it's misogyny when when you're being killed as a vampire. <laughs> uh, when Xander, when does, Xander it. does it? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, I completely agree. Like, uh, but yes, she's just you know, R.I.P. to a queen. Um, and but I mean, the most of the misogyny comes at the behest of one of our own, 
Who? A gay person. Oh, yeah. Was like, <laughs> Cordelia? <laughs> um, yes, the self-hatred I, coming out. I thought you were identifying us with Xander for a moment. Oh, I was really confused. God, I would never... <laughs> Um, yeah. Oh, Larry. Mitchell, you say you have a lot to say about Larry. And Mike, did, would you believe me if I told you that this was not Larry's first episode of the show? I would not believe you. He has been on the show prior to this. <laughs> As a bully. He's been the bully yeah. character when they've needed wow. a bully character. Continuity. Yeah. It's so, like this Jonathan character I keep mentioning that you would never remember. Who? He's a character. There's no He's one a, named Jonathan. There's oh, a character. No, I, I, I squeal every time Jonathan's on screen and Mitchell's like, what's happening? <laughs> this is not <laughs> I, Harmony. I know situation. who Jonathan is and I know <laughs> okay, what but, Jonathan But does. Harmony has been on the show f- Way less than Jonathan has, honestly. But she's been more cunty than Jonathan. I, no doubt about that. So, my problem with Larry is partially to do with his previous appearance on the show. Um, so he was also in the Halloween episode, and he yes, he's the pirate. He's the pirate who tries to rape Buffy oh. in the alley, and I think that's like a significant portion Ooh. of why I find this whole revelation that he's gay really distasteful um Ew, yeah i mean like the framing of the scene itself is a little bit offensive right because it's like essentially a way for the show to make a bunch of no homo jokes about xander mm-hmm. um i'm also utterly baffled by the way that larry being gay somehow disqualifies him from being a werewolf in the context of the show like there really seems to be this like the revelation that he's gay rules out any possibility that he might be the monster of the week. And that's really baffling to me. And I have no, like... It's definitely fair. Never would have thought about that. Good explanation as as to why um, the show seems to decide this. Uh, yeah, Xander's just kind of like, it's not him, okay? <laughs> Let's just be over it. <laughs> I guess because Xander... I think it's Xander being like... I don't want to talk to him anymore because I know he's gay. So he, it, it's not going to be him. I think it's less that and less that Larry thinks Xander is also gay yeah. and Xander. Yeah. But like, I mean, not less, not any less problematic. Um, but Larry good in that moment where he's like, I, you know, I won't tell anyone that you're gay Xander. And Xander also doesn't tell anyone that Larry's gay. True. The, the gays stick together in mm-hmm. that scene. I mean, I, I think this is getting a little ahead, but I honestly feel like the way that scene is framed and, like, um, the plot of the following episode sort of lay interesting, like, would have laid interesting groundwork for a gay Xander also. Um, but, alas, that that does not happen. Spoiling what doesn't happen <laughs> is just as bad. <laughs> yeah, M- Mike, did you think Xander was going to be gay? <laughs> You know, somehow I don't see that happening. And I don't I don't claim him as one of our own. I reject him from the community. Uh, yeah, I think that, like, I was talking about this with you this morning, Liam, that I really do feel like the show, were it made today, like, Xander would just be replaced with, like, a gay best friend. Xander so, would not be, the, yeah. the character of Xander would be unrecognizable. In He would be a villain. He would yeah. be the Cordelia character. He totally. is the villain. Yeah. Like, the show villain, the actual villain. Yes. You know, like, Buffy would have a twink that would be like, <laughs> it's giving vampire. <laughs> oh my god, I love him. Slay. Oh my god, yes. I, wow, I, I'm obsessed with 
with him. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's just what the show would be were it made today. I'm not saying that I want this show to be remade, but, like... I would watch. Give give the Buffy character a twink best friend if you're going to remake it. That's all I ask. Buffy's like a vampire, and he's like, girl work. <laughs> <laughs> I need that. Wow. I, I feel very protective of this gay twink who's not named Xander. Oh, his name would be Alex. <laughs> um, wow. Subversive. Yes. Uh, wow, I love him. Um, <laughs> uh, okay, this something they've been doing very well like lately is including the like overarching plotline in these Monster of the Week episodes. Like we always get Angel in there. He's there, he kills his friend and sort of like a threatening thing to Buffy. Similar in the second episode. Mm-hmm. They're they're sprinkling in some vampire lore here and there. I think they learned from season one because there were plenty of episodes without any vampires in the Vampire Slayer show. Yes, very strangely, there were there was a, a limited amount of vampire plotline in season one. Yeah, but I feel like they are really having well, they don't appear in the first episode in phases, but they're having fun with Spike and Drew and sort of the. They, the chaos they are bringing to Sunnydale and mm-hmm. they they really lit a fire under the vampire's asses there. Yeah, I think they really love writing all three of the characters, Angel, Evil, and Spike and Drew, and so like I think they just have a lot of fun with that that's, stuff. That's a love triangle that I can get behind, mm-hmm. too. I mean, I think if the show were made today, that would also be a throuple, probably. We were discussing um, earlier today if they have threesomes, and I think the answer has to be yes. They... Because Drew insists on it, like the two boys are not into it, but they'll still do it. I think they're very into it, but they have a very fucked up power <laughs> dynamic that they both love. And this is very similar to um, what is agreed to be um, the current state of x-men comics where gene cyclops and wolverine are in a throuple um and they all they were all living in a house together and gene had rooms that connected to cyclops's room and wolverine's room um and anyway not that we've ever seen wolverine and cyclops kiss on panel but it is suggested hey you're you're an artist you could draw that (laughs) just spin that up for us I mean, we we constantly are saying, you know, vampire. They've been around centuries. They Spike and Angel have had sex, absolutely. And Drew was not there. But they were evil. <laughs> gay people are evil, so they they, they had gay sex. But they're yeah. not werewolves. No, they're evil, but they're not werewolves. There's never been a gay werewolf. So is this laying the foundation for Larry to become a vampire and join? Mm their throuple situation because it's because gay people are immune to werewolf lycanthropy yeah and they'll be like hey we have gay sex all the time and here's a gay the one gay guy (laughs) in sunnydale you can have gay sex forever (laughs) sounds interesting vampirism that's sort of the slogan yeah (laughs) twink death never has to come if you don't die truly Wow, what if they turn that twink into a vampire Alex. in the reboot? Well, the, the, and then Buffy stakes him. He's just like, slay. No, he'd be like, no, he'd be like, girl, I'm, I'm here with you. Guys, if, no, he, if, no, he got, no, if he got cut, okay. he'd, he'd say, I, but I'm a top. As he like does. <laughs> what were you going to say? I was going to say something about like him watching Drew drain someone to dry and be like, she left no crumbs. <laughs> e, girl. <laughs> <laughs> She made. <laughs> no. I, this is what we need. This is what we need. 
Um, Ch- it writes itself. Let's, <laughs> let's pull up chat GPT. <laughs> oh my god. Um, Write me an episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer where a twink is the monster of the week. <laughs> Uh, they're, they're there monstrous. was a demon twink famously on Twitter some time ago. True, on a boat, I... I think. Or was that a separate twink? I thought... No, I think it was on a boat. Okay, yeah. This this is already the premise of the Buffy episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we've got two elements mixed together with a demon. So, like, I think that that pretty much, like you said, writes itself. Uh, you know, and I don't remember what I was going to say next. Were there other things on phases? Yeah, well, we barely touched on the Willow Oz relationship, which oh, was yeah. ostensibly the main thing about mm-hmm. the episode. Yeah, I feel like I didn't take a lot of notes on it, um, in large part because I don't find <laughs> this relationship very compelling um, relative to other things that I will not discuss. My, my feeling on it is that Alice, uh, Allison Rosen, wait, Allison Hannigan. Oh my God, Willow Rosenberg. Um, Allison Hannigan doesn't learn how to act until like season five. So. <laughs> <laughs> when she does, she when, brings it to you every episode. She does. Like she figures it out eventually, and then she forgets again when she's on How I Met Your Mother. But you know, it's a different skill set that come acting uh, versus teen soap acting. I don't know. I thought it worked for me. I, yeah, I think that she's. I think that she delivers her character very well. Oh, I, th- I was going to say the relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't have any comments on her acting. Um, it's happening. Um, but no, the relationship works for me. I think there's been the the through line since the very beginning of the show where Willow loves Xander, Xander loves Buffy, Buffy doesn't want to date either of them, and that's okay. Thrapple. No, because <laughs> no, no. we don't want Xander there. <laughs> um, and I think this season we have seen Willow come out of her shell, like really grow into herself as a person, um, if that made sense. And I have really appreciated her. I don't know if she's like necessarily moving on from her crush on Xander, but I, she seems like all in with Oz and. I'm loving slutty Willow. She's like, I don't care if that makes me a slut. I, I'm ready for it. I do really like the scene from, I think it was the episode before this one where they're in the van. And mm, yeah. they have the discussion about like, you just want to get revenge on Xander and I'm not cool with that. And I'm like, Oz, that's extremely mature of you. Yes. <laughs> nice job. Oz is a nice boy. But yeah, I don't have a whole lot. I mean, I like that Willow isn't thirsting after Xander anymore. She's sort of focused on anything else. That's always good. Um, and I like Willow coming to his, like, like where Willow's, like, begging him to, like, stay and, like, help her research stuff. But obviously Oz knows that he's going to turn into a werewolf, so he leaves. And then she, like, comes to him at the house and she's like, you're just sitting here doing nothing rather than being with me. I like that. Sweet. And thematically, she's the one who, like, takes him down as a werewolf. Mm, Yes. Yeah. She shoots him with, like, a tranquilizer dart, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. I was so interested. I think, I mean, I understand why they were very anti-gun this episode, because there's the whole, the werewolf's a person and we can't kill people, um, unless they're Ted, who wasn't actually a person. She did that by accident. She kind she of. I like think that's really funny that they like suddenly have this like anti gun turn when Buffy literally killed a monster with a bazooka last episode. <laughs> also, that's like slay of the season for me. <laughs> that shot of Sarah Michelle Geller holding a bazooka, just chef's kiss. I think that 
That's fair. She that it's she just pulls it. She's got it on her shoulder. I judge. Um, what was I gonna say? Oh, one last note. Like, where did Oz get those chains? He like pulled them out of a cardboard box. It's like he got them overnighted from Amazon. Maybe Giles and Jenny aren't <laughs> the only ones dabbling in some BDSM. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there are chains at the bronze. When, or where the warehouse, whatever scene it is needed for. Maybe he stopped by the lair during the day while Drew and all of them were sleeping. Mm. Got some trains. Also, I don't know if you've heard of this kind of place, Sam. It's called a hardware store, and you can go there and buy chains. You can buy, like, chains with shackles at a hardware store? They didn't have shackles. They were just chains. I think there were shackles. I think there were shackles, too. Oh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I just remember seeing literal chains. Uh, well, they have a little kiss at the end, and then Oz goes, a werewolf in love, which, like, he says it to no one, and it's very schmaltzy, and I feel like it's kind of, they're just, like, they already did that at the end of an episode where Giles is like, a slayer in love with a vampire, a vampire in love with a slayer. It's like, in a werewolf in love, it's like, I'm not, I don't have any, like, concept against that. I'm not like, werewolves can't be in love, but the show is, like, acting like that is true. We didn't talk about Giles too much, but he is, he's like very fun in this episode. There's something like really scatterbrained about mm. him in this one in particular that I like can't quite identify. There's like, he finds, he has like a lot of moments where he just kind of like snickers at nothing. Yeah. He like laughs at this like dumb joke that Xander cracks about moon pies. Yes. And I didn't think the joke was funny at all, but I laughed for a long time at Giles laughing at the moon pie joke. I, I honestly felt like that was Anthony Stewart head like kind of breaking for a moment and it was like um it was like a blooper and they just decided to keep it in because it worked. It's so strange to me because they it feels like in season one they would constantly have these like witty asides that no one in the universe was even recognizing as part of the dialogue that the character said. But then in the past like five or six episodes they've started like having characters respond and like laugh at the jokes that the other people are making, um, which is so strange you would just think that they would just like move on from the joke but i guess the characters are really saying them they're really living in their character <laughs> they're method acting yeah um well we will move on to bewitched bothered bewildered but the but i didn't say at the start this episode was written by rob de hotel and dean batali and directed by bruce seth green uh d- this is the second to last episode by our co-writers but they've written really good episodes i would say yeah i feel like every time their names come up i'm like good episode yeah. the dark age never kill a boy on the first date and the puppet show and mm-hmm. all this it's like okay go off kings um oh. Something interesting, this might be a good transitional note between the two episodes. Is it in phases that Oz comments on Amy's mom in the trophy case? Yes. Oh, mm. yes. Good um, note. The first line is him, like, looking at the trophy. Which is uh, which is such an interesting, like, harbinger of this episode, considering how heavily Amy is featured. I know. Yes. I never thought we were going to see Amy again. Well, And if I said differently the last time we saw Amy, don't mention it in the comments i don't remember your thoughts i think you were really certain well it was the third episode so i think you were really sure that we would eventually see her again i know but like you probably but it's thought been like it was... 20 episodes yeah i thought she was off in iowa somewhere is, is she only in one episode in season one i could have sworn yeah. she was in a second one just one yeah i feel like um particularly in season one there are all of these characters that are sort of set up 
to like potentially show up again that like don't really like like the invisible girl mm-hmm. you know like she like oh. joins you know there's no follow-through with that um another yeah. spoiler it's not a spoiler it's like it, it doesn't it happen <laughs> <laughs> she's invisible she can't come back she's actually in every single scene. <laughs> <laughs> but but like I feel like you know she goes to like a, an invisible kids training school that like mm-hmm. we never see again. <laughs> I I know what you're saying, and like I feel like even Jenny's the only character, oh, and now Jenny. Amy who like survives this kind of thing where or so far anyway I don't actually remember, but like um it's like Jenny easily could have had that happen to her if she didn't have the like dynamic with Giles because that's like her singular thing that was like carrying her through to the finale. She really knocked it out of the park in her one episode. She absolutely did. She was like, I need a job. She changed the game. (laughs) My my favorite fun fact about Jenny is that she and Cordelia's actress are, I believe, the same age. Whoa. Wow. (laughs) In that, are are they closer to a high schooler's age or to a teacher's age uh, they're both clo- they're yeah. both like in their <laughs> mid-20s uh mm. mid to late tw- i think cordelia is like maybe even 26 in the first season yeah she's older than sarah michelle geller for sure wow and that's why i love her more because you love an older woman yeah <laughs> um, they are unsung heroes in our society <laughs> uh i completely agree now it see, was just Mother's Day, and and they mothered hard as hell <laughs> all throughout these two episodes. Um, season two, episode sixteen, Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, written by Marty Noxon. Uh, this is Marty Noxon's fifth writing credit in the past like seven episodes when she started writing on the show. I don't actually understand what happened, but it is it, it's bizarre to me. They're just they're clicking. She. She clicked with the writers, with the actors, and all of the episodes have been really good. <laughs> I agree, but it's just like you, you might you'd think it would be spread around a little bit. I feel like it's uh, Joss hired his friend from Westland. And... <laughs> I googled it and she did not go to Westland. She did not go to Westland? No. But maybe she visited. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure in an interview for Sharp Objects... She mentioned studying theater at Westland. She studied theater at... The University of California, Santa Cruz. Oh, God. What am I misremembering? Okay. So scratch everything I've ever said about Marty Knox and she didn't go to Westland. She is married to Genji Cohan's brother, uh, the inventor of weeds and Orange is the New Black. Uh, the Genji Cohan is. Um, and, you know, her mother is gay. <laughs> I'm just reading from a Wikipedia page now. And that's um, why she took a stand and would not write the gay character. She's like, this is homophobic. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, she... Uh, this was like her first writing job. One of them, anyway. Uh, and she really hit the ground running. Um, she has a whole section in her Wikipedia just for Buffy. Well, yes. She becomes the executive producer of the show, showrunner. Mm, she's a very... Spoiler. Story- well, I've, yeah. <laughs> that's fair. You know, fine. But she... Uh, I feel like production spoilers aren't necessarily spoilers when it's the writers and not the actors. You're telling me a woman keeps working on the show? I think Liam's about to correct me on something, so... Yeah, I, I, I found the interview where she says, I studied at Wesleyan before I... Be- studied theater at Wesleyan before I became a writer. It's in... Vo- it's on Vulture. A transfer student. But... Uh, where, where where did you see she went to UC Santa Cruz? I'm on, I'm on her Wikipedia page, and it links to 
Oaks, the University of California Santa Cruz, like website. <laughs> <laughs> she could study theater at Wesleyan and she could not graduate. But yeah. I Google, I mean, I've searched on page Wesleyan and nothing comes up. What is the truth? Marty. Marty, we would love to have you on the pod to go over this. <laughs> We're all Googling separately on our phones and computers. Uh, yeah, very strange. Um, bizarre. Regardless. Well, this is a, an article from the Wesleyan Argus about Buffy's later season. Well, seasons. you can't read it. You can't read that. Um, <laughs> don't look at that. Um, yeah, don't, don't look at that. Because <laughs> you were already spoiled on something light earlier this week. We can't have you reading any more articles until we're done with the podcast. You're right. Don't. No more articles for me. What we, were you we spoiled can just, on? We can talk about it off pod so that any first time viewers of the show don't get spoiled. Great. I love that. Excellent. You'll have to edit out that Marty continues to write for the episode. So. <laughs> yeah. I'm really worried people uh, know what that means story-wise. Um, and it was directed by James A. Conchner. I'm just, I've highlighted the quote where she I studied that. theater at Wesleyan before I became a writer in the beauty of language, particularly in the Southern Gothic tradition. She's lying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't what know. What is the say. truth? We'll have to. Well, this is a conspiracy that we've discovered here on the podcast. Um, is this like some George Santos shit? Like, it could be. I mean, who cares about Buffy? We need to launch a serial style investigation of Martin Axon. And we could have George Santos on the pod. Gay people love Buffy the Vampire Slayer. True. Uh, <laughs> evil people are gay. Lol. Uh, <laughs> well, I, we already made the jokes with the vampires earlier. Um, it's the gift that keeps on giving. Gay, gay, good, gay, bad. The dichotomy. It's almost like you said a slur there for a second. Great. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's my reaction to almost saying a slur. <laughs> what? Uh, you know, it's fine. We'll edit this out. I'm not going to. Um, <laughs> this episode is the funniest episode of the series, according to some <laughs> cultural critics. <laughs> I thought it was a very funny episode. It was very fun. I agree. It was a good time. I thought so too. I I think Amy is a real delight. Um, glad to see her back. Uh, the like whole strange way that this plot unfolds is a really fun turn of events. I don't. I didn't necessarily think that this was going to be like the way that the plot turned from the from my understanding of what the premise of this episode was. Well what did you what did you think the premise was and what did you expect to happen? I thought it was really interesting that Cordelia was the only one who was exempted from the love spell. I understood that this was going to be like everyone falls in love with Xander and I thought that that was going to be like everyone everyone. Mm -hmm. Well, they would never have a gay man. <laughs> it's like this would actually be the perfect time to bring Larry back. <laughs> uh, he was he wasn't available. I guess not. They so, didn't ask. They definitely didn't ask. I th I think that like Cordelia being the only one who didn't fall under the curse was like a really interesting narrative choice and like made for some fun tension, some like interesting dialogue and banter between the two of them. Yeah. Fun times all around. I agree. I it was strange 
I guess in my mind of this episode, I don't remember the other male characters being in it at all. But like, it it is fun to like have them be responding to all this stuff too. And I just like for, fully forgot that Oz punches Xander and Angel's pissed at Xander and Giles like helps. It was great. Um, the men were not having it. With Xander. Yeah, they were pissed. Oz punching Xander was great. That was, that was, <laughs> that was spoiler slay of the episode. No, 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 no. Well, slay of the episode. <laughs> um, but yeah, so we, the episode starts with, and we get our reintroduction, reintroduction to Amy. You were flabbergasted that we were seeing her. True. I did not <laughs> expect it to come back. Well, because we watched, I watched the first episode before I came over here, and I was like, oh, cool. Call back to the witchcraft episode mm. with the trophy we'll never see this girl again but there she is tricking the teacher slaying yeah. slaying the house down boots yeah. not doing her homework <laughs> all of the all the people in the class have to turn in their homework but then amy just like mind wipes the teacher or whatever and it's exactly like selena gomez says in the seminal hit the wizards of waverly plays theme song uh it's something about writing an essay that you didn't want about a book you never read true that's she a weird thing. She didn't even have to. So true. Queened it. Yeah. And only Xander catches her um, mm-hmm. not turning in her homework. She does it very brazenly in front of him, too. I'm, I'm puzzled by this whole, like, <laughs> I'm a secret witch. I don't want anyone to know I'm doing witchcraft. And then, like, doing that in a very public way. Like, you'd at least think she made, would make sure she was the last person in the room before she... Or that she would, like zap xander after she did it but that's the price of doing drama she's still new to the witch thing true later then when xander's like you're a witch and she was like no that was my mom remember (laughs) that was funny (laughs) it was really good um i would say i love magic and stories about witches and wizards so much more generally than stories about vampires and so i was beyond thrilled that we were getting another like witch or like another magical storyline i feel like we don't have like we haven't had a lot of like spell casters in the mix since witch yeah there's something really uh i don't know i wouldn't i don't i wouldn't go so far as to say boring but it feels like underdeveloped the buffy group uh like for buffy to be the sole person with meaningful power in terms of fighting against other supernatural forces. It's kind of like the whole Sailor Moon needs to be the one to defeat the villain Mm. every single episode. It just kind of sidelines the other characters. But then Buffy's Sailor Scouts are even like be far less powerful than the other Sailor Scouts. Several degrees of magnitude worse than Sailor Scouts, it's true. Try doing a Sailor Teleport with these fools. (laughs) Couldn't, Couldn't happen. Are you saying Oz can't do anything? But that they, but that now, I mean, not really. When he's a werewolf, he doesn't have control of himself. Yeah, I mean, they have to like. That would also require them coordinating their major Slayer missions to the nights when Oz is a werewolf, and then also assuming that Oz can control his werewolf powers. And then sometimes Giles like knows a bunch about magic and can do spells. Same with Jenny, but then like sometimes it's kind of like. I have never heard of this. She can only solve magical internet problems. Mm-hmm. She's a techno pagan. Also, every time the phrase techno pagan is uttered, I snicker a little bit. That is one of the great dialogue inventions of the 
late 20th century. Although I did enjoy, and now I'm getting ahead of myself to like the end of the episode too, but I did enjoy the callback because in the first witch episode, Giles is the one who like casts the spell to stop Amy's mom. And now he's the one who has to step in and cast the spell again to end the curse. Um, So there's continuity there. Um, They did it in the chemistry room again. Oh, they weren't in the library? I think they were in the chemistry room. No, they were in the chemistry room. Wow. Chemistry? Giles and Amy chemistry. Hey, he... The last episode, the guy thought he was sleeping with Buffy. Mm -hmm. This episode, if he was around, he might think it's Amy. I don't know. Any thoughts? guys <laughs> um this episode is also <laughs> really fo- talking about giles really focused on giles and jenny's relationship Very, we're going back and forth with them can i just say it is such bullshit that like jenny has been shunned to the group because it's not like she is the what or the reason why angel is evil now and like it's not like she is the one who even placed yeah the blame buffy anyway. for sleeping with him in the first <laughs> yeah, place yeah let's <laughs> slut shame that fucking teenager no it's just like i feel like it's like it's also just frustrating to me because i feel like jenny and giles just got over this um the the residual like trauma that she had from like being possessed by the demon from his youth and like they were just back together again and now they're fighting because jenny did something now and i'm just like but she didn't even really do anything like i I, I don't know it's a mixture for me like she didn't know all of the details but she was sort of like a secret operative in their midst like she was like doing stuff for her people but like she didn't know that if and again we talked about in the last episode this is sort of like a very stupid part of the curse but she didn't know (laughs) that if angel had a moment of pure happiness he would lose his soul and it's like who would ever guess that uh (laughs) (laughs) I I know that you guys talked about how stupid the curse is in, like, the previous couple episodes of the podcast, but I, like, I just think that the mechanics are so dumb, right? It's, like, this, like, weird Ouroboros. It doesn't make any sense. Like, so, okay, we have evil vampire Angelus, who does a bunch of evil shit, including killing this young maiden associated with this group of Romani people. They curse him with a soul and a conscience, so that he has to live with the guilt of what he's done. But then when he achieves true happiness, he simply reverts to the state right. that they put him in in the first that, they, that he was in in the first place. That caused which, him all this all these heartbreak. Which which just then re-unleases him onto the world? Like that just doesn't make any sense whatsoever as like a mechanism for like controlling this horrible monster like you'd think that like that would be the actual end game for this group of people who cursed him rather than i don't know maybe it would make sense if like he had to kill the cause of his true happiness before he gained a soul and then when he would gain a soul again like that would make sense to me like if the curse rule said that like if he killed Buffy, he would gain his soul back and then feel horrible about that. But that's somehow even more convoluted. My only explanation that I can come up with is that the people who cursed him with this spell didn't put this into the curse. Like, they just, this is the only version of the curse that they knew how to do, maybe. And, like, that was just, like, a weakness of the magic that they were using. But I agree, like, if it's intentional like it doesn't actually hold up at all like it's like why would you ever choose to do this 
Right, but they they knew that he would never achieve true happiness. And then, so, like, I guess the only solution is for them to constantly be there to monitor his happiness levels. Yes, that is why Johnny was there, to keep him away from Buffy. Goofy. Goofy. But also, they didn't tell her that her duty was to keep him unhappy, which, like, it was just like, oh, keep him away from this 16-year-old girl who is, you know, the only way this thousand-year-old vampire can achieve, he can only achieve true happiness by fucking someone who's, like, a tenth of his age. Yeah, you would think that since she's the one person who's in charge of this, they would tell her all of the details. (laughs) But, uh, but I guess, like, the Watcher's Council, they just didn't have Facebook to keep her updated. <laughs> right. Uncle Vanya also is, like, there, but then doesn't tell her everything also. It makes me wonder the extent to which the actual information and specifics of the curse have been lost across generations, because they don't actually know what the curse is anymore either. But just- someone said moment of specific happiness, or, like, pure true happiness or something. Like, I, it, I feel like it was him. I think that was Uncle Vanya. Because, like, who else would know? Men. Marty, we're, we've got an open slot on the pod for you to come explain this. We, we've got to ask you questions about your time at Wesleyan, quote unquote, <laughs> uh, and Uncle Vanya's what did he know and when did he know it. Um, but, uh, but yes, Jenny and Giles. Giles and, Bu- and, Giles and Buffy also. There's, both of them are pissed at Jenny. Still. True. And she hasn't really done much to make up for it. Yeah, with Buffy, it is a little bit more understandable that she's still pissed. She's 17. She's 17. She, you know, stormed into school, assaulted Jenny in front of everybody. And she's probably still... Literally best moment of the show, honestly. (laughs) She's probably a little embarrassed by that. So she's not quite ready to forgive Jenny um, and have that moment with herself. But Giles... I feel like he should be a little bit more understanding especially since he inadvertently caused her harm in the past um like through his path like through his connections like he didn't he didn't hurt her directly but he was involved in her trauma yeah i guess my feeling similarly is like if jenny if if jenny can forgive giles for indirectly causing harm to her then he can forgive her for indirectly causing harm to buffy but what's the alternative right like what's the version of this that giles and buffy would have wanted from jenny calendar right like hi i'm jenny calendar your computer teacher you have to stop seeing this hot vampire because if he achieves true happiness, something bad will happen. Right. And then what happens... I I can just imagine, like, the plot then becoming Buffy rebels and does what she wants, and then the same same thing just happens. That, like, I could... If, if the issue for me with this emo, the, the emotional beat of this plotline is that Jenny literally didn't know that Angel would turn evil. So, like, she wasn't holding anything back from them that, like, really mattered. She just, like, didn't tell them that she was a spy, which is, like, what spies do. And it's, like, she didn't do anything <laughs> malicious. And she ultimately gave up on trying to keep them apart, so she didn't even, like, do her job she also saved willow's life in that one episode she's been a very important member of the team she showed up with that huge cross that was kind of slay um are you all going to watch the bad buffy the vampire slayer movie with christy swanson can, is, I, can I spoil is a jenny calendar in it no <laughs> can i spoil a detail from that yeah so there's a moment i hate that movie but there's a moment where i've seen it once like 12 years ago. So the moment where Jenny Calendar is holding the big cross and like confronts Angel reminded me of a part in the 
I think it's the, the 92 is when it came out, Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, where Christy Swanson is holding a cross up in front of the big bad vampire, and he grabs the cross to, like, show, as, like, a show of strength, and the cross gets set on fire, and then Christy Swanson, like, pulls a can of hairspray out of nowhere and makes a flamethrower and sets the vampire on fire, and that's what it reminded me of. Pretty good. Um, for no for no reason. And that's the best thing that happens in that movie, and there's no other redeemable qualities about it. Wow. Jenny was slaying back then. Sadly, not Jenny. In my mind, that was Jenny Calendar. I mean, I wish Jenny Calendar had done that to Angel. That would have been slay. <laughs> Agreed. Um, but yeah, where do they even leave off in this episode with Jenny? She is placed under the curse, and she's in there. In the in Buffy's basement at the end, yeah. with all the with the lunch lady, with uh, Harmony, <laughs> with Willow, yeah, um, and then I I feel like that is they where kind she's of yeah left. they the the only thing we get from her real self well I guess Giles like at least takes care of her while she's under the curse yeah the and then he lets her get away yeah <laughs> so now she gets across town Sunnydale's <laughs> well, I, I think... a very small tightly knit community I, I think but also a port town somehow <laughs> explain me like, it's an inland California suburb of Los Angeles but is a port town uh, oh right because they went to the docks, the docks. yeah um, <laughs> they're always at the docks with the massive barge yeah that's a really good point actually <laughs> The silliest thing to me to go back to Jenny in the basement is that like you don't see her at the house before the ending. Yes. Like she just kind of appears there in that last shot. She was on set, just sort of like hanging out. Like, oh, I'm not in this scene, but I'm in makeup and costume. Just throw me in there, and they did. <laughs> How does she know that they're at Buffy's house at that point? I mean, maybe she just sees droves of women running towards Buffy's house and. You know, answers the, si- the Xander siren call also. Yeah, she's but... keyed into Xander's pheromones. Yeah. I think that Jenny's actress did the best job with comedically being into Xander. I think that she oh, was I... giving <laughs> that way. Yes. I absolutely agree. Yes. <laughs> she was very, very funny. Um, and just sort of like, because like, when, when we first see her after the spell has happened, like, the spell hasn't taken full effect, so she's, like, still carrying on the conversation, but she's, like, holding Xander's arm <laughs> and just, like, going through uh, the phases of falling in love with him. That was the really funny thing to me about how this curse activated, because it does seem like the women had to spend time in proximity to Xander before mm. it took effect. There was something similar that went on with Joyce as True. well, where she lets him into the house, and then it's not until they're, like, in the dining room that the curse seems to kick in. Yeah, they, and it, it was a very slow build. Uh, just started with some of the girls liking him, and then they all tried to kill him, basically. I loved the montage of Xander like walking through the high school, mm-hmm. and all of the girls being like, hi. <laughs> it was it was very, um, I mean, I think this predates the virgin suicides, but it was very much um, the Trip Fontaine walk down the hallway to Magic Man for me. Don't believe I've seen... How, how, how have you been alive? We're all revealing personal movie blind spots. In this I episode. haven't seen that one either. Neither has Mitchell. Sorry. Ooh, double date. <laughs> um, I think that we talked a lot about this too. In this montage or this sequence, rather, has um, to do with that is that the scoring in this episode is very different from a typical episode of Buffy, and I think like different in a really interesting way. There's a lot more. Diversity in the music choices, and it all feels a little more dynamic to me. Not something I noted, um, but that's interesting. Yeah. 
but we we're dancing around it. We talk about her in every single episode, but this episode was really, really about Cordelia, I would say, and Cordelia's relationship with her friends. Um, I, it, it, everyone's shaming her for still, for dating Xander at all. Did, when did everyone find out? I guess when, I guess when Willow found out, then they started dating openly, question mark. Um, cause for a while they were only making out in like janitor's closets, I guess. Uh, but now everyone knows. And in the beginning of the episode, they're like, not even like talking to her. Uh, and Xander buys her this like beautiful necklace that she loves, but she immediately breaks up with him on Valentine's Day. Slay. Uh, yeah, she, she she finally came to her senses. That was the slay of the episode for me. <laughs> but unfortunately, she was still in love with him secretly, wearing that locket underneath her post breakup outfit. Yeah, and but even, she was serving in that outfit too, and she ruined it. it but even though. <laughs> Even though we, you know, we're, you know, it's conflicted about the relationship. I think it's so sweet that she's like so heartbroken about it that she's still wearing the necklace the next day. Yeah, it does seem different. I mean, we didn't really know Cordelia back in season one and like what her dating life was really like or what she was looking for in a guy. But it does seem like the other men she dates sort of see her as this ditzy disposable high school girl and they don't want to get to know her her interests and i'm not saying that xander wants to do that either um but it does seem like he treats her differently than the other guys definitely i think that and i also think that the show does a decent job of treating her as more than just the ditzy popular girl she's often sort of played as the straight man particularly in the first season and i think that's so interesting that that type of you know popular girl who's seemingly so disconnected from like the day-to-day experience of being like a regular high school student um is put in that predicament pretty frequently we're showing that she's like actually a pretty good student um despite her best efforts to hide it from her friends like there's so much interesting depth to her that I really adore. I agree. I feel like we are told conflicting things by the show about Cordelia. Or not conflicting things, but different points of view. Like, everything Cordelia-centric is about her like being a good student, like you're saying, or being at least an engaged student. And also, like, it seems like her romantic history is, like, a, like a, she seems like a serial monogamous like she has boyfriends but it's but at, literally Buffy, Xander, and Will are all like she's an idiot and she's a slut and it's like th- these aren't even like true things th- that we know about her but that like they hate her so those are true now and yeah. not I'm not slut shaming anyone. I guess the boys that she dates seem to be like similarly rich popular like, athletes. Cordelia's a cheerleader yes. I don't know um but yeah, I think that there's so much more interesting things happening with her all of the time. I find her so captivating. Several of her boyfriends have died within the canon of it's the show. True. 
or at least men she was in love with because the football guy from earlier this season who became a Frankenstein guy, she thought he died. Then she was in love with him. And her boyfriend who she was like in love with and like so happy about in the season one finale, she like found him dead. Uh, and like, I, there might, maybe, maybe more I, that I'm not even thinking of. So you're saying there's hope for us. That Xander might die. Yeah. Yeah, could be. Maybe. Uh, the... Oh, I also read that we there's this there's a scene where Amy and Buffy are fighting over Xander, and Amy turns Buffy into a rat, and then Buffy's a rat for like the remainder of the episode, and that's because Sarah Michelle Gellar was on SNL the week that this episode was <laughs> filming, so she couldn't be there. She still did plenty of scenes. Yeah, they still made her strip in front of Xander. Yeah, and like hold her hair in her mouth while looking at him. <laughs> yeah, that was tough. <laughs> She was getting her comedic chops ready. Yeah, she was practicing for SNL. Do we know if she served on SNL that week? I don't think I've ever watched the episode. Mm. Sad to say. There's definitely one SNL where they do, like, Buffy, where she hosts, where they do, like, Buffy as a Seinfeld parody. That's, like, pretty funny. Oh, I've never seen. Mm-hmm. Bonus yeah. episode. Yeah, we'll have to watch that. We'll watch Scooby-Doo. We'll watch Scooby-Doo Two Monsters Unleashed. We'll watch the SNL that Buffy, I mean, Sarah Michelle Gellar hosts. We'll watch the original Buffy. We got Virgin Suicides. Virgin Suicides. All eight seasons of How I Met Your Mother. No, I don't think so. <laughs> All right. I think that's where I draw the line. <laughs> that's right. Well, we'll have to do Repo the Genetic Opera. That line has already been drawn. Oh. It has, but this could have been it. <laughs> this could have been the start. Something beautiful. Um, any other thoughts? I feel like there's like this is a very funny episode and a fun episode. There's not a lot of interpersonal shifting. There. I like the angel and Drew. Yeah, stuff. that's true. Yeah. They we had their like weird romantic sexual tension mm-hmm. scene where Spike got Drew a beautiful locket for Valentine's Day, and Angel got her a beautiful warm beating heart from some <laughs> girl down the street and we know which one drew preferred yes his delivery of oh, i found it in this cute shopkeeper mm-hmm. it's like it's so funny it's very adam's family to me uh where like every line of that movie is like we're creepy speaking of adam's family you know that the woman that plays Harmony plays the bully at the camp. I've never seen the second one. Too. You've never but seen I, this? The second one is so much values. better than the first one. Well, we watched the first one in October. Uh, so maybe this October we'll watch Out of Family Values. Oh my god. I can't believe you are in for a treat with Joan oh Cusack. My oh my god. I trust yes. you. But yes, Harmony is in that film. And she's in this episode. Yes. I, the return of Harmony. A legend. You said you were pitching that Harmony and Amy should have a show. Yes. I would watch. Well, Harmony was really... Like, she... She was ready to be Queen Bee when they were kicking Cordelia out of the group. Proto-mean girls. Yes. She was... She was set up in that hallway. She was throwing barbs out as people walked by. And I just thought her and Amy would really get along. Yeah, the social stratification of this school is really interesting to me. Because it doesn't seem like being an athlete automatically makes you popular. Like, I don't really get the sense that Larry is, like, a particularly popular guy. Well, he's gay. Well, that's why. Gays are Everyone can just tell. Um, But actually, like... The social stratification among the girls is, like, kind of not 
super well fleshed out. I guess we like it's a feature of us only getting these guest characters who are other students in the school on a really incidental basis. Most often they're killed immediately. Yes. Although my favorite incidental uh, interaction with a student in Sunnydale High School is in this episode where after Cordelia breaks up with Xander, a random guy who we never see again comes up to Xander and says, way to get dumped, dude. <laughs> and then you never hear from him again. It's the delivery, wonderful, perfect, like, 90s dude bro voice. Like... The high school, I mean, you. this is a good point. The high school politics in this episode were very confusing to me because, like, Xander got broken up with by Cordelia, but, like, by our understanding of the social politics of Sunnydale, like, him being in a relationship with Cordelia for even a second should have made him, like, way cooler than he ever was before. Yeah, instead he's just kind of a drag on Cordelia's social status, which seems strange. And they also talk about him being, like, a geek or a nerd or whatever, but he doesn't seem particularly smart, and that's puzzling, too. He's very unsmart. He's just, like, a loner loser who's who's only friend is Willow. And we mean it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm, I'm happy to bully Xander. <laughs> um, I also really... Well, going back a little bit, uh, just need to comment, loving mean Angel. He's so much better <laughs> now that he's turned. Yeah, I, yeah I, I've been meaning to bring that up. Like, I think David Boreanaz is just, like, so much better at being evil uh, than, like, being, like, dark and brooding. Like, Angel's, like... You know, are are you dating Angel or are you dating a cardboard cutout of Angel? Is there a difference? Like, I don't know. Does he have a personality? Not really. It's just that he's, like, older and, like, has okay cheekbones or whatever. Um, but, like, with Angelus, it's like, oh my god, he has a personality. He's yeah. thoughtful. He's witty. He's giving me beating hearts. Like, mm. He smokes cigarettes. Yeah, he smokes cigarettes <laughs> you now. Think, Out you... of a woman's neck. <laughs> no, and then he also smokes cigarettes thereafter. So I'm like, did he get addicted to cigarettes from smoking this woman? He, like, from, from her neck. This woman from, her, from her neck smoke. <laughs> There's only two ways I know if a character is evil. It's if they're smoking or if they're gay. And so Angel wasn't going to be gay. And so <laughs> yeah. he yeah. had to smoke. He's having, he's, he's he's having, having gay sex with I agree. He's, he's bad. You know, but, but the writers don't know that. <laughs> the writer, Marnie knows that. <laughs> she doesn't even Mar- know where Mar- she went to school. Marnie <laughs> studied theater at Wesley. And of course she knows he's gay. <laughs> so I actually have to think this is one of my favorite anecdotes from being an English major was when one of my professor, she was teaching us a Toni Morrison novel called Sula, which is not worth uttering other than after uh, someone brought up an interview that Toni Morrison gave about the novel in class, the professor said, Toni Morrison knows nothing about this book <laughs> that she wrote, which I think is such an interesting, mm-hmm. like, death, the, of the death, death of the author kind of thing, um, which is what makes discussions like this so fun, because there's all of this subtext that these writers didn't even necessarily think about that people with different uh, different backgrounds encountering the text bring to it. Yeah, and it's, it's to sort of bring this back around to, like, my earlier comment about, like, them sort of setting the stage for a homosexual's gender, like, I feel like him being, like, his, a lot, you know, like, he kind of wanted, like, I mean, his goal was not to make every woman in Sunnydale love him, but, like, his main character trait has been that he's, like, this horn dog, and then it, like, comes true, and all these women are chasing after him, and instead he's horrified, mm-hmm. and, like, I'm just, like, I feel like I feel like 
in, in an ideal world or like in i mean not that i want xander to be gay like in an ideal world xander would be a different character and played by a different actor and anyway but like in a, in a like 2023 buffy i feel like this would end with xander having the realization that he's gay or something like combined with the uncomfortable talk with larry last episode I agree, but I think that is more of like a 2006 version of Buffy. <laughs> I feel like in 2023, he he would just already be gay. He'd be the twin. But like, but I like I agree with what you're saying. Xander's thing is like that he's this massive horn dog for all these women, and like that's what Larry's characterization was as well. And so then he comes out and it's like it kind of tracks that Xander might also be gay, sort of just hiding from himself. Um and uh. Uh, 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 I agree. Xander's gay. Loved that Drew fell under the spell too. Great yes. mechanic. Like we, yeah. I love knowing like how the magic and the creatures all interact, and what is the hierarchy, and what are the rules. So vampires can fall under the spell of Amy's magic, and that's important to know. And I'm going to track that moving forward. Magic, powerful. Yeah, her swooping into save Xander is so. That's like a slay of the episode contender for me. <laughs> when she, and when she knocks down the door, but then she can't even go through the door? Yeah. Physical comedy. Yes. Um, and Angel's there being mad at Xander for Everything. living, basically. Uh, and, but I, I agree with you. I do think that David Boreanaz is an amazing, evil actor. And I just love him and Spike sniping at each other. It feels like, well, we were talking about... Uh, I think we were talking about it with Derek about like Cordy and Buffy sort of like using Angel as a proxy for their feelings for each other. And I feel like similarly in the right, maybe, I mean, who knows, but, uh, you know, Spike and Angel are like, so the way they're talking to each other and like, um, just like playing with each other, making fun of each other is very sexual to me. Um, can we talk about how when Cordy and Xander were running from school, it was broad daylight, and by the time they got to Buffy's house, it was like midnight. <laughs> well, they had to run past the ports, but, but yeah. So, but Jenny is able to cross the same distance in one second. Yeah, Technopagan. Sunny, Sunnydale is both the second largest city in California, uh, entirely walkable. Um, Operates on a four-hour day-night cycle. <laughs> uh, is inland and a port city. Is as near or far from other major cities as it needs to be at any given point in time. I'm comfortable with all of that. This is a TV show. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, I mean, the end of the episode, Cordelia realizes she's the baddest bitch around. She can date whoever she wants, and she doesn't care. She doesn't need to be striving after Harmony's affection or uh like acceptance because who cares about what harmony thinks other than us yeah i i mean i loved her monologue at the end and you know hated that it ended with her back with xander yeah yeah i feel like it should have been like i can date whoever i want and i can dump whoever i want right. too. yes <laughs> okay yes there was very every the the end of the episode is like xander you're such a good guy for not raping us thank you <laughs> and, but then there's literally zero thought given to his initial intention with the spell even when cordelia finds out that she was the original target of the spell she's like he does love me like that kind of thing and it's like girl that's not <laughs> yeah but like I, every, did they just like occlude the fact that 
he wanted to hex her so that he could break up with right. her. Right. Yeah. And they they do that is like not part of the resolution to so, me. So is Cordelia just left thinking, "Oh, Xander just wanted me back." Yes. yes. So yeah, it starts under completely false pretenses again. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, everyone took away absolutely every wrong message they could have taken from this episode, as teenagers would. So realistic. I am happy that uh, you know Cordelia and Xander. The relationship is bad, but it's so good to me, and I'm happy for you. Thank you. They're basically like uh, Spike and Angel. Sure. They hate each other, but they're sleeping together. I don't think they're sleeping together yet. They're making out in her daddy's car. You're right. Spike and Angel are making out mm-hmm. in his daddy's mm-hmm. car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what I said. Uh, any other thoughts on Bewitched, Father and Bewildered before we start to wrap up? Um, look at my little list. <laughs> no, I think that about covers it. Um, nothing that can't be brought up in the recurring segments portion Great. of the episode. Did we... Oh, final thought. Buffy, Oz and Buffy in the basement, Buffy turns back into a human because when the spell counters the love spell, it also counters the Amy turning Buffy into a rat. Buffy being naked, and then she's like, I'm naked, and I was like, yeah, you're naked. It's like, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Why didn't we do this? Because <laughs> they wanted to say, Buffy's gorgeous. True. And she's got charms on everybody in town. She is beautiful. Um, yeah, end of thoughts. Okay, moving on. Segments. Biggest slay. Mitchell and Liam, what was the moment of the episode that made you say, or either episode that made you say slay? I think for me it's probably Seth Green punching mm. Xander. Um, for me, it's definitely Cordy dumping Xander after he <laughs> gives her the necklace, but um, Joyce drawing a knife on Xander is a close contender. Oh, I also have under Slay, I have a separate page for phases in my notes, and under Slay, I simply have the phrase, quote, 1-800-I'm-dating-a-skanky-ho, and I think that Willow says that? She does. She says it to (laughs) Xander when they're talking about, or she says it to Buffy when they're talking about Xander and Cordelia being together. Wow, slut-shaming is Slay. I think that there's just something really, like... There's something really camp about that particular line mm-hmm. that I find like slay-worthy in a really ironic sense. I keep meaning to introduce a segment of the show where we say our favorite line of the episode, and I just keep not doing it. Wow. I'll take that note for next week. Yeah, we'll, we'll, I'll try to ingratiate it into the uh, format. Mike, what was the biggest slay? Oz and Willow kissing. Wow. I, I, was, I love that for them. Um, mm. They've moved past their one episode tension of not knowing what they are to each other if Willow is over Xander yet. And they've decided after Willow tranquilizes him as a werewolf, <laughs> she's over Xander. And we didn't even talk about... And we don't need to. Willow in Xander's bed. We're going to move past that. Fine. Um, That's edited out. I I forgot about that until you just mentioned it. Sorry for bringing it to the stage. (laughs) Only wearing his shirt. Yeah. (laughs) It's very funny. Um, My biggest slight, there's a couple things. I love all of the effects with Amy's magic. Like, I feel like, I feel like the effects budget went off these last two episodes. Like, we got the, the, obviously the werewolf costume was not amazing, but there was a lot of werewolf transition uh, mm. visual effects. But then, like the spell that they do at the end in the chemistry room looked so cool to me. Just like orange lights sort of flashing. 
Um, and then I also love the shot where they I don't, someone goes around a corner and Willow is there holding an axe, surrounded by other women who are mad at Xander. It's like go off. Um, it's interesting that they bring like I feel like the only time anyone has a fire axe in this show is like when there's a witch involved. There was also a, fi- a very important fire axe fight scene. True. In the Amy's mom episode. Joyce also smacks Spike in the head with an axe when they meet at, in um, school hard. Oh, right. Slay. She went on. Uh, Joyce. Joyce. Go off queen. Beautiful. Um, fashion moment. Is there any clothing that a character wore, positive or negative, that you want to spotlight on the show these episodes? I have two for phases. And I have, and I have one for Bewitched, Bothered, Bewildered. So... In phases, I feel like we do have to shout out the werewolf tooth necklace. Mm. Um, but then also Cordelia wears this really awesome uh, Tommy Hilfiger turtleneck. Mm-hmm. That's like, her turtleneck era is a very fun time. She wears like several different turtlenecks in that episode too, I think. <laughs> and then in Bewitch Bothered and Bewildered, my dark horse for best fashion moment is Mrs. Deepman. <laughs> okay, thank you for bringing her up. I was, I was also thinking of her. <laughs> I took a picture of her shirt for reference. It was just I, very. It was just so noticeable. I, I need to say that I did not notice this shirt, and we were ten minutes into the episode, and Mitchell rewound to the beginning <laughs> to show me this shirt. Like, look, it's like this, like crushed yeah. velvet red over leopard print. Over leopard print. Is this a vest? Is this one garment that is like sort of cobbled together out of this like weird velvety red material and this leopard print? She's got this like crystal pendant. She's giving. She um, For me, um, phases. It was um, it was Cordelia also, but um, in the scene where they're like examining the damage to her daddy's car, and she's got like a sweater tied around her neck and sunglasses on. And mm-hmm. I just, I was just like, why does she have sunglasses on right now? I don't know, but I love it. Um, and bewitched, bothered, and bewildered. Um, for me, it's Buffy wearing a crushed velvet tank top and a scarf in the opening scene, <laughs> which is so perplexing to me. Um, I loved it. Perfect. No notes. Both completely impractical, non-functional, and probably a high school dress code violation. <laughs> There's no dress code yeah. at Sunnydale High. <laughs> Much like the distances between places in Sunnydale, the temperature is three different temperatures at once. They're in Southern California, right? Why is Cordelia wearing so many turtlenecks? Because she can. Also, it's colder than there than you would think, as we found out when we were there. Yeah. Uh, Mike, fashion moment? Yeah, for phases, I just got to call out the werewolf costume. Uh, that was fun. Um, <laughs> it, it, it does count as a piece of clothing. Yeah. Um, but the real one is in the last scene, Buffy is wearing this like lilac leather jacket, which looked great. Um, and her stunt double looked great fighting in it. (laughs) Um, and then for bewitched, bothered, bewildered, um, one of Harmony's minions has like a red leather trench coat with a matching red beret right at the top. Oh, can can I see the picture? Yes. Um, Ooh, I do love she that. She is excellent. <laughs> and then I I did really like Cordy's breakup outfit mm-hmm. the next day, where she was wearing, like, a men's dress shirt, but it was, like, tied cutely in the front. But then when we found out she was wearing the locket underneath it, it, dis- it disqualifies itself, itself mm-hmm. as a fashion moment. 
but I'm willing to add it back in if she recycles the outfit at a later date. Beautiful. I, for me, I felt like Cordy's minions, there were like a couple scenes where all four of them were together and they all looked pretty good in all of them. I, like it, and Cordy was there like playing off of them and she looked great in those scenes too. All, all of them were serving. I noticed in like the, in these episodes and the episode prior, they're really doing a lot of Willow in purple. Um, which mm-hmm. I just I'm not sure if it's really working, but they're going for it. Foreshadowing. Question mark. Anyway, uh, <laughs> there was also a really ugly outfit combined with the hair that Buffy wore, where she had like a black top and a leopard print skirt, and I just don't think the hair was good for with the outfit. Something was wrong. I I couldn't really identify what it exactly was, but altogether it wasn't serving. Yeah, I think that I'm always reminded when I watch Buffy back, like the way that Buffy very intentionally wears those practical shoes to do slaying is kind of also just the only way to slay. slay. Um, It's it's giving very like um, Jurassic World, I'm running away Mm -hmm. from the T-Rex and gold stilettos for some reason, despite having multiple opportunities to change my shoes. Um, And I would say both of those moments were queening. Um, Final segment, Xander Slander. What was the worst Xander moment of the episodes we watched? I mean, I think it was his reaction to Larry on phases for me. Um, and then Be Much Bothered and Bewildered is just one giant Xander slander, in my opinion. <laughs> they dared to ask, what if the whole episode was Xander slander? <laughs> yeah, well, we were talking about it during the episode, and Mike, you were like, I was worried we weren't going to have anything to say after phases because Xander, like, Xander was pretty good in that episode, and then thankfully, Bewitched Father and Bewildered happened. True. And while Buffy, I believe, was bewitched, bothered slash bewildered at this point they were talking in the library about something buffy needs help with something from xander like they want to hang out and xander's like does that involve a lap dance Mm -hmm. um and he is getting better over the episodes but he every episode there's like one line where they have to make him just look like an idiot i think that uh mine for both episodes is probably the no homo conversation with Larry in the locker room. But I do also want to shout out, um, there's a conversation where they're talking about werewolves kind of conceptually in the library. Um, and I've just dubbed that the hyena mansplaining scene. I thought that was pretty slanderous. Um, yeah, they. I'm glad that they're revealing at least to everyone that Xander lied, that he didn't remember what happened in the hyena trance. But like, they don't really... I don't think they care. Think about it for very long. Um, mine definitely, what was I going to say? Oh, it's, well, I, we've covered so many things and obviously the whole concept of Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered is that he's a bad person who just wants to, like, get back at someone for doing what she wants. Um, but, like, there's a part where he's talking to Buffy and he, like, directly is like, well, Cordelia broke up with me and the only other person I like is, like, unavailable, emotionally unavailable or something like that. Like, he says it to Buffy and it's like her boyfriend turned evil and like started killing people and she didn't like you before that anyway. So why are you even bringing this up? Cause he sucks. True. We hate Xander. Um, finally, thank you both so much for being here. Two lovely episodes. Um, two lovely guests. Two, two lovely guests, two lovely hosts, two lovely episodes. 
Um, Tuesday. It is being recorded on a Tuesday. Uh, next week, we will be doing one episode. Uh, Passion, Passion, I believe is the name of the episode. Wow. Um, and it's like, I'm, I'm going to say, I, I hope that's not too much of a spoiler. Uh, but well, based on that, what do you think happens in the, based on Passion? It's going to open with Spike, Angel, and Drew having a threesome. <laughs> And someone is going to pop out a heart or something to eat. <laughs> and that's the passion. Revisiting <laughs> the scenes from... It's a, it's a clip episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they did those in the 90s. <laughs> um, and it, Leave us a review. Rate us and review us on iTunes. Uh, Mitchell and Liam, do you have anything you want to plug? No, nothing whatsoever. Yeah, if you want to um, see fo- mostly photos of me at conventions, because I haven't posted any new art in a long time, you can follow me on Instagram at liamdonnelly.art, but you don't have to. Slayful. Mike? Well, we encourage you to follow all of our lovely guests and everything they plug. <laughs> um, but no, we're at Buffy Boyfriends everywhere you might look for it, I believe. But that's it. Indeed. You can follow my other podcast, Bitter Drew's. The Bitter Jurors podcast at Bitter Jurors Pod on Instagram and Twitter that Mitchell has been a guest on before. Um, we talk about Survivor every week, uh, and we'll be finishing up Legend of Korra uh, this summer, book four, and then who knows from there on. Uh, having a great time, slayful. Okay, thanks guys. Thanks for being here. This was really fun. Thanks, and thank you for coming all the way to Ridgewood. Thanks for having us. Yeah. As always. Slay. Bye. (laughs) Um, And then we're just going to record like 10 seconds of silence so I can take out the like background noise.